Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Those of you who are our guests, we're on this wonderful study of the ABCs of character building. Each Sunday we've been studying a different character trait. It's different than the world in that the world ha- usually has motives, that the reason we have good character is so that we keep a job, get a job, get advanced on the job. It has something to do more with us than often with God, of course, because the secular system is more humanistic than it is Christocentric. And so we know that's the world system, although we do applaud them when they're trying to develop good character because that makes the world a, a little bit easier place in which to live but also still a place from which to die and go to hell. We don't want that. And for Christians, though, we know that at the center of our life is the character that's found in Christ. The purpose of doing it is to make uh, the Lord get all the glory and all the praise. We know that if it's His character trait in us and we release it, then we can have that character because it's maintained in us by the power of the Holy Spirit because it's His character in us upward to the Lord. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about character here, but in the area of thankfulness. I'm sure that some of you might agree with me that we live in a society that often neglects the very important character trait of thankfulness. And some of you might even recall uh, the last time someone had said genuinely to you, thank you for your effort or for your gift or for your call or for your deed or for anything else for that matter. And some of you, it's been a long time since you've received an appreciation from someone after you have given and given again from them. And that might be the case. And some of you might even think that our young people are not taught to express thankfulness. And that might be true in some households that are probably pretty dysfunctional and have other views on thankfulness. But I think in the most part, our families here are really working on helping our kids to be thankful. I grew up in a home. My mom and dad never went to church. They were non-Christians, but they had good underpinning of good uh, courtesies. I can remember my mom would all the time would say, Now, Stan, say thank you. Thank you. Now, what do you say? Thank you. And then I have to go back to my room and write those horrible thank you notes. Remember when you were a kid, you want to be out in a play and you had to write these thank you notes? It is so inbred in me that it's so often I'm saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so many of you will get a thank you note from me. And now some of you are thinking, I did something. He didn't give me a note. There are times that you might slip through the cracks, but we want to be thankful. Well, I want to talk about our need to be thankful to one another and why we struggle with it. But I want to take us way away from that. I want us to be able to see that our purpose for thanking other people really is our thankfulness that goes upward to God first so that we would then worship Him with our thankfulness. And that's important. I put in front of you with the notes there a lot of verses that deal with being thankful. There are at least eight major psalms in the Old Testament that deal with thankfulness. But even then, if you went through it, you're going to find the word thanks or thanksgiving or thank or thankfulness many times in the psalms because that is really our worship book that we worship the Lord with. And worship and thank thankfulness often really go together. Then you're going to find, if you study the word a little bit more, that even King David, in his own heart, knowing that God was sovereign, he had a worshipful heart of thanksgiving, so much so that he took a portion of the Levites and he created a Levitical thankful team, we might say, that they were always expressing thankfulness. And then many times they would then divide up and praise the Lord in singing in thankfulness. He wanted to make sure that he was thankful to the Lord, that others were thanking the Lord, that everybody was a part of this worship of thankfulness to the Lord. And I think that's important. And I pray that our worship team here 
is helping foster within us a spirit of God is sovereign, He is in control, and everything we have comes from Him as a gift from Him, and therefore we express our thankfulness back up to Him as well. In fact, I have a verse there in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7 that talks about our salvation and even our walk with Him. Although we're to walk in faith, there's also that expression of abounding with thanksgiving. I remember I was reared in a, in a church uh, as I got older, and in that church, we would always sing the doxology at the end of our service. But at the beginning of our evening service, we would sing that song, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, that the pastor doesn't sing solos. Well, whatever it is, you got my point. We would sing that song about thanking the Lord because he did save our souls. How many of you are positive that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Would you raise your hand? then all of us have at least one major reason to say to the Lord, thank you, instead of putting in front of us all the things for which we feel like we've gotten a raw deal here in life. We can thank God that we have our sins paid for. But unfortunately, in spite of all that he said in Scripture, all the examples in Scripture, all the principles, and the fact that he saved us, we still have trouble with being thankful. And so if you will, look at your notes again. Non-Christians are unthankful. Now they may say the word thanks. They may even send you a thank you note. But sometimes even that could be because they know how to do sin management. They know how to, to beat the system. And this is the politically correct thing to do is to express thankfulness. But in sar inside their heart, they don't have a grateful spirit. So the non-Christians... They are not thankful. Then you can find non-Christians and Christians in the last days will be less and less thankful. For it says men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. And my, if we would park just on that one verse, you're going to see probably why people are unthankful. There's a lot of pride that's involved in that. So why are some people unthankful? I decided to kind of evaluate man and why I find from certain people it is more difficult for them to have a true attitude of gratitude. Let me submit these four to you, especially you that are moms and dads, to check your own life to see if they're coming out in your life and then to check your kid's temperature to see how they're doing. First of all, you have those that simply have pride. I did it. If I did it, why do I need to say thanks for it? I crawled my way up the organization. I put myself through school. I earned the money to buy this. It's all about me. I did it, so we're not very thankful. Secondly, bitterness could do it. I'm angry or I'm hurt. So the focus is more on the problem than the pain rather than on the good things. So we're not thankful because we just feel like we did get that raw deal and, and that's why I'm hurting and I shouldn't have all this bad in my life. So bitterness comes in. Then number three, selfishness comes in. I deserve this good thing or I don't deserve that bad thing. Maybe someone else does, but not me, or maybe someone else didn't get it, but I sure should get it. I should get this award. I paid the dues. I walked the line, so I deserve this. Very similar to pride. And then finally, ignorance. I don't know that this is as prominent as the others, but some people don't say thanks because they were reared in a home where they weren't told to say thank you or to express gratefulness to one another. But you might want to check that out with your own family. So the ultimate me instead of he is going on. Those are those two blanks. It's all about me and not about he. And I kind of put that together so you'll remember it. And it's not that way. It needs to be about the Lord. So I put together what I call a self-examination for Pastor Stan. And so I want to check my own temperature on my own gratefulness to the things that happen around me that God permits or prescribes in my life. And so if you will, just listen to these self-examining questions and see if you'd like to ask yourself. This is now not a time to ask your kids or your mate this question but, or to judge or evaluate them, but see how you're doing on the road to being thankful. So here's the first question I ask myself. Stan, do I make it a habit to thank the Lord and others for the many little things in life that others take for granted? Like my mate, like my family, like my church family, 
Even my job, and for me, I don't want you to think that pastoring is a job. I, I, I would do it if you didn't pay me. Now, don't listen to that finance committee. But I would do it. It's not a job. I love it. But it's still a job. still have to go here, and I'm thankful for it. Even this morning with the, the pastoral team, we let it off. We were thanking the privilege that we have as pastors to shepherd here in Hawaii and you, sweet, dear faith family. So we have to be thankful for that. Second question is, how many people have benefited my life in the past? My parents, my in-laws, my teacher, my counselor, my pastor, a Sunday school teacher, an employer, a policeman, a fireman, a doctor, a dentist, an attorney, a missionary, a computer tech, a military person, an attorney. Who has God placed in my life that did something for me that I could not do myself, whether I saw it actually or they just protected me in life? I need to express thankfulness to God for them. Do I do that enough? Do I see that whatever I have really has come from God through others for me and therefore I need to express thankfulness? Question number three. There's only four. Have I shared with others how various ones have helped me in the past and most recently? Sometimes when you have a grateful spirit, you end up telling other people about what other people did for you. But when you don't talk about the benefits you receive from other people or the Lord, it could be because inside your heart is not beating the heart of a grateful person. And so I have to ask myself, how often am I pointing the praise to other people and up to God because I see whatever I am or whatever I could be has come from God through others to me. And I'm better because of them. And I'll talk about them. And finally, number four is, do I characteristically send those thank you notes when someone does something for me or says something nice to me? Do I do that? And so it's more than just having a spirit. There is a spirit in there, but it also comes out with letting other people know how much we appreciated them as an affirmation because Scripture says we need to affirm one another. Now listen with me because I picked this up from A.W. Tozier. The ultimate in worship is not stained glass windows, fancy pipe organs, beautiful orchestras, tremendous choirs, or gifted praise bands. The ultimate in worship is a thankful heart toward God. And Tozier wrote this. He said, worship is the missing jewel in the church. And I wanted to add this to Tozier's wonderful quote. I believe that the missing jewel in worship is a grateful heart toward the Lord. And I believe I could prove that from Scripture and from the original languages how much that worship and thanksgiving actually go together. And perhaps what's missing from the church today is true worship because maybe what's missing from the church today is a grateful spirit toward a sovereign God moment by moment. And so here's a definition of thankfulness. It's coming from Funk and Wagnall's de definition. He said, just appreciation of favors received. I think that's the least we can do is give appreciation for the things we've gotten. Noah Webster goes, goes a little bit further. He says it means to express your gratitude, not just have an attitude of it. When you go to the Old Testament, this is where I'm coming to worship and thanksgiving going together. The Old Testament comes from a word called yada, which means confess, praise, give thanks, say thanks, and praise and thanksgiving were also often translated together and was used synonymously in Scripture. In fact, that's Old Testament. As I was doing later research, even recently as yesterday and today, I found that the idea of blessing God, worshiping God, saying thanks to God, and grace are all wrapped up even around the word thanksgiving as well in the New Testament, with New Testament Greek words as well. And so with all that coming together, I'm wondering if we need to crank it up on our thankfulness by having a relationship with the Lord that He is in control of everything that we have in our life. 
So let me give you just uh, my definition. You can see it up on the screen if it's not there yet. I hope it works for you. Thankfulness is expressing appreciation for God's person and benefits received from Him through others. It's expressing appreciation. So somehow it's got to come out. For God's person, who He is, and what He's done, His benefits, that I've received from Him, but through others. I may have shared this story with some of you, but I may not have shared it with all of you, especially you guests haven't heard this. I don't like to raise up one member of our church family here because when I do that, there's so many others that have done equally as good as that person. But this particular person left a mark on me that I will never forget, and I told the Lord that when I had the opportunity in a message, I would share this testimony. Uh, At the end of this last school year, you know that many of the high schools were having at the very end their Wahine Moi and then their uh, Kane Moi celebrations. For you that are new to the island, that would be very similar to a uh, homecoming king and a homecoming queen. Well, Pat Morales asked if I would go over to their school where their daughter Helena, and most of you might know Helena, she comes in and out of our ministry here, she serves in another church. She was um, voted by the student body to be the Wahine Moi. And, this, and uh, what that means is that they had island dancers and singers from the other islands, the, the Wahine and the Kani from different uh, islands. They were all up in her court, and she goes to Roosevelt High School. Now, I've never been to one of these before, and I thought, you know, I, I probably wouldn't go. It's not that I don't like Hawaiian music or Hawaiian culture. It's because I don't have a reason to go. But when Pat invited me, I thought, I'll try to do that. I'd like to connect. Well, he was waiting for me out front. And he ushered me into the auditorium, and the place was absolutely packed with island people. In fact, um, I made a big mistake. I wore a white shirt and basically white pants, and I was the only Howley boy, I think, in the entire place, if you can imagine. I stuck out like a, well, I just stuck out like a piece of chalk, I guess. I don't know how to say it. And I have to tell you that Pat and Letty and the family were there and they ushered me in. They had a special seat. I didn't know what to, to do. I, and being on the island and having a lot of people from the mainland come, we have seen a lot of Hawaiian music from the various luau's and we've seen them downtown. But I have never experienced young people dance hula, sing, do all that they did. Not the hip jiggling, Tahitian, you know, stuff. Really solid music. And after they got all finished, then it was time for the Wahine and the Kani to do their dance and he does his first and then finally... She does her dance. And Helena would not surprise us because this girl can dance. She does this pretty much full-time. She does it for various places. She's sought after. She's been to uh, Japan and Korea and other places to dance with other troops, etc. So she gets out there, and she, as good as everyone else was, she knocked them dead. I don't think she quit smiling the whole time, and she was so full of joy. When she was done, everybody cheered, and they were all excited. Well, then the moderator, which I believe is one of the faculty members from um, uh, Roosevelt, he then um, plays one of those off-the-cuff things, and he takes the microphone, and he says, we've never done this before, and we're going to start something new here, and we're going to start it with Helena. And so, Helena, I'm going to give you the microphone right now, and I want you to to just do this. I know you haven't any thought. Here's the microphone. Who do you want to thank that helped you get to where you are today in life and in this very special celebration? She took the microphone and she smiled. And I think she was praying. I'm sure she would be. I know I would be. And she's looking at the group, collecting her thoughts. And then without batting an eye, without a quiver in her voice, with confidence but sweetness, she looked at the group and she said, I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ 
And then she went through her list. She says, I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ for my parents. I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ for my family. I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ for my kuma, the teacher that teaches the, the hula there in, in her halal. I want to thank the Lord for all these people that are behind me that were all up on the stage that were part of her, uh, her court. I guess that would be a word. She said, I thank Jesus Christ for all, and I thank Jesus Christ for saving my soul. Now, you would think everybody would go, oh, wasn't that way. There was cheers and clapping and, and so much stuff was going on because she gave that testimony. She didn't bat an eye. Now, I want you to know that while it was a very good thing that she thanked the people, to me, I have seen the most debauched movie stars do the same when they get those, uh, what do you call those statues, all right? I've, we've all seen that. But the difference with hers was the fact that she thanked Jesus Christ, God, for the people that God sovereignly placed in her life to get her where she was going. Now, I know that Helena is not perfect. Her mom and dad know it better than I do. But at this particular point in her walk with God, she got it right. She hit that ball right out of the ballpark. And so I would hope that wherever we are, and it's sometimes easy to do and all the spotlights are on you, but when someone opens a door for you, you thank that person and throw up a thank to the Lord that someone showed a little act of kindness to you. She did it right. So now I'd like to focus on the life of Christ because if this grateful spirit that we should have as a worship to Him and all character is found in the person of Christ and if Christ, was Christ a grateful person to God the Father? And yes, He was. So since Christ lives in me the hope of glory, then His thankfulness is inside of me now. And I'm going to release His thankfulness to God the Father. And there are three areas. There are many more in Scripture, but I, I selected three for you and me to park on today and perhaps embrace in the person of Christ. So Jesus the Son thanked His Heavenly Father because, number one, daily needs can be met. All of you can look at a time that God provided a daily need. And I'm so grateful for that. Look what Jesus said here. He said, how many loaves do you have on all the people? There were 4,000 Gentiles at this time. They hadn't eaten. So he looks over to his team and he says, hey guys, how many loaves do you have? Now underline that, do you have? So he's asking, how many loaves that you own that are yours? And they said, seven and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks. Broke them and gave them to his disciples. The disciples gave them the multitude and they all ate and you know the rest of the story. That phrase, he gave thanks. It's interesting because it didn't say he gave thanks to the disciples. It just said he gave thanks. Now, if I just had that one verse there, we could play around with it saying, well, maybe he said thanks to the guy who handed him the fish. Maybe the two guys that brought the buckets of fish to him. Could have been maybe all the guys for giving up their fish. Could have been to God. But when I take this story of Christ and I run it through the rest of the stuff that Jesus said thank you for, his object of thanksgiving was always God the Father. So since it didn't simply say the disciples here, I'm going to assume then that I could go out on a limb that he was actually giving thanks to God the Father. What's interesting is the word thanks, blessing, and watch this now, grace actually go together. How many of you were reared in a family that would say, okay, who's going to say grace today? Well, you know what you're really doing. You're saying thanks for the food, but you would say grace. Why? Because grace and thanksgiving and gift, all that's all wrapped up into one. How many of you have been in a place and said, do they say the blessing? And you know what they meant, that they bless the food. Well, they're not blessing no food. There's nothing in that food. You can bless the food and still get poisoning. All right? So what you're blessing now is God is the giver of what? The gift of food that I have for that moment, that need. He's given me the, the gift of the, to be able to chew it and swallow it. 
It's like one person only had two teeth in their mouth and were so excited. I thank God I only have two teeth. And they're like, why are you so glad you got two teeth in your mouth? Because they both meet in the same place. I'm going to tell you, that is something to be thankful for. But in this case, he says, he gave thanks. So he worshiped God. He blessed God for his daily needs. Now, for young people, it's very easy because I can assume that in the next 24 hours, more than likely, you're going to go to the refrigerator, you're going to open up that refrigerator, and you're going to grab something either hard or liquid out of it to eat. You're going to go to the freezer maybe tonight and get yourself some ice to put in your soda or maybe to get some ice cream out of there. You're going to go to the cabinets and pull something out of the cabinets. And how many of you have more than one refrigerator in your house? One in the lanai, one in the garage, one in the carport, or maybe then, of course, one in the kitchen. You all have that. I have that. Someone told me that if Matson went out on strike and these other guys went out on strike, we only have about 10 days worth of food to be able to, to fulfill everybody's need on this island. And I'd like to say that's a bunch of bunk because I think we have plenty of food in our refrigerators and our cabinets and all the rest. We need to have a thankful heart. Thankful that someone grew it. Thankful that someone brought it to us. Thankful that we got a job. Thankful that we had the brains to work that job. Thankful that someone paid us. Thankful that we saved our money to buy the food. Thankful for the person who purchased it, prepared it, provided it. This list goes on and on. All right, let's go to number two. So we need to thank the Lord for our daily needs and that they can be met. And I'm so grateful for them. Food, clothing, shelter. Number two, spiritual worship can be meaningful. This was interesting too. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it. In some translations it said, and he thanked God for it, or he thanked. He was thankful for it. And he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, take eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he did what? He gave thanks. Who did he give thanks to? God the Father. This was a, a part of spiritual worship. And it can be very, very meaningful. And so let me pause and talk about this for just a moment. If some of you are having the opportunity to slow your life down and you're able to worship the Lord, besides just the daily basic needs to survive, which would be food, clothing, and shelter, all right, then you can thank the Lord for all the little things that help enhance your worship. In this case, they had a little bit of juice, a little bit of the uh, unleavened bread, and then they had the objects of which to put that in, and then he's taking this moment and he's thanking God. And what I'm really going to say now is this. Since that whole story is about the illustration of the body and the blood of Christ that was to show the Lord's death until he comes, what he's really thanking God for is the worship of God himself and he in God thanking God for this opportunity to be a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. It's a form of worship. So when you are up here singing, when you are out there singing, whatever kind of music you might be having, for just a moment, just say, Lord, I worship you. I want to thank you for you. Meaningful worship. A time to really reflect on good on God and how good He is. Let's look at number three. Prayers can be heard. Now this gets real practical. The other is maybe a little out there, but this one is very specific. If you recall the story, there was a man by the name of Lazarus, one of Jesus' friends, might have been one of his better friends. He died. And so now he's raising him from the dead and he's getting in the process of doing that. So he shows up where Lazarus is in the tomb and, and this is what he says. He said, then, took away the, then, take, then they took away the stone after Jesus told them to do that from the place where the dead man, Lazarus, was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And so I'd like to say prayers can be heard. Let me pause for a moment and let you interact with us a little bit. I don't have the time for you to talk out loud, but maybe you can uh, talk with your arms right now. How many of you in the last month 
You had a specific need that you went to the Lord and you said to the Lord, Lord, I need whatever, fill in the blank. And you specifically asked God for that need and he met that need. Whether it's money almost to the penny or to the penny of it, a job that you needed, an issue or a problem to get out of, a health issue that was resolved and cured, something that God did when you went to him and you prayed and you got an answer to prayer that, watch this, that you knew only God could do it. You didn't pray, but you manipulated the audience of your friends by telling them what your need was and then they kind of came in and came alongside you. I mean where God knew about it and you knew that God was the one who heard it and answered it. Would you raise your hand right now? Okay. Now this is where I wish I had more time to preach. This is where you preach to us. You're the sermon, not me. You now tell us how that happened. Now here's my bottom line. He said, I thank you, Father, that you've heard me. Do you know that this right here, that verse I just gave you, is the very first Bible question that I had as a new believer. Carol gave me my first Bible at Christmas. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John went to bed with their stockings on. No, no. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I read John. And now I'm in John 11. I'm thinking, wait, Jesus is God. Why in the world does Jesus ask God the Father to do something that Jesus already knew? Why did he pray to to the Father? He's God. Isn't that a legitimate question? A lot of people could ask that. The reason he's doing this is not because he has to arm twist his daddy in heaven. He is God. He did it as an example for the rest of us to show us what it means to be dependent, to show us how to thank God for other things. Now, what we need to do is to thank the Lord. Now, here's one little caveat, and I'll leave this point. Some of us have bought into the verse appropriately that says, ask, seek, and what? Knock, okay? And your prayers will be answered. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.